The safe word is starting now. As, as much as technology has made life easier and possible to do things like this virtually, it's also just as good at getting in the way. Totally. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, thank you both for joining me. And hello, everybody. I am your host, Antoine R. Martin, he, him pronouns, and you're listening to The Safe Word, the official podcast of The Safe Alliance. Uh, today on the podcast, we have Amanda Brundage and Carrie Hardiman, and you're hearing this and don't absolutely love the Zoom quality of the recording. We used to record this in the co-op radio recording studio here in Austin, which was a nice treat, um, but we're continuing to stay as safe as we can during the pandemic, so Zoom will have to do. Um, big shout out to engineer Bob, though, who set us up back in the day. Um, but yeah, I think just to get things started, um, could both of you introduce yourselves? Sure. I'll go first. <laughs> Carrie usually goes first. I'll go first. Um, <laughs> yeah, so my name's Amanda Brundage. My pronouns are she, her. Um, I am the program manager of Safe Futures here at Safe and with me, Carrie. Oh, okay. I am Carrie Hardiman. My pronouns are she, her, and I am a case manager for Safe Futures. Awesome. And how would each of you, how would you, how would you describe what your program does to somebody who doesn't really know what SAFE is? So I love our program. We're very small and we're mighty. Um, Safe Futures works with survivors who are also involved with child welfare systems. So we have a very small niche that we work with, usually um, moms who are working with CPS, Child Protective Services, who either are trying to regain custody of their children or maintain custody of their children. So um, prevention and intervention services. She's good. (laughs) (laughs) But... um, Yeah, I mean, I think what makes our program really special and really unique is, um, you know, SAFE has so many different programs serving survivors, and um, we kind of want to be a one-stop shop for these um, survivors that we're working with that are dealing with such complex systems. And so we don't want SAFE to be another complex system that they're trying to navigate. Um, And so we really work with them around understanding their CPS case, uh, their court orders, if they have those, help them with barriers um, like housing, getting a job. I I sometimes say like I've done everything from like help write a resume to, you know, come help you move stuff out of your house to help you get a protective order to, you know, advocate um, in a court hearing. So lots of different options. We just want to help people with where they're at. That's a, a a big program. It's like a multi-pronged. There's so many aspects of it. Yeah. How, we definitely how, don't say no to anything. <laughs> yeah. How big is y'all's team? So currently we have one advocate and one case manager. Uh, when we're fully staffed, we hope to have three advocates and one case manager. And then of course, myself as the manager. Yeah, we're all trying. Everybody at SAFE is trying to do as, as much as we can with, you know, not enough resources and staff. Our communications team is, which which the, the team that I'm on, our communications and marketing team is down one person and 
I, we all feel the like, oh, we, we've got to do so much. You know, we're fortunate to have a kind and caring boss who can uh, help us manage all of that. But I know that like every every team and not just at SAFE either is, is struggling to continue doing quality work that supports survivors with um, not enough resources. That's just the name of the game now. Yep, totally. I love it that we're able to borrow um, people from other teams to help with what we're missing, what we're lacking. It's a great oh. thing about SAFE. That's good. Other other teams help step in. We have um, had to borrow um, Ileana from which department does she work in, Amanda? Is uh, she, community um, education. Yeah. Yes, she teaches our parenting classes, and she's also taught our um, domestic violence class a couple of times. Oh, that's yeah. awesome! Yeah, I love Ileana. Um, I don't think she's actually been on the podcast. She needs to be. We. Yeah. She does there a lot of go. interviews <laughs> and. Um, yeah, Eliana's great. Cool. So, and we're going to talk more about the wonderful work y'all do in a moment. First, I just want to chat to get to know y'all a little better. What's, where, what is your hometown? McGee, Arkansas. Really, Arkansas? <laughs> yeah, I know you never heard of it. The population is about 5,000. It's probably less now. It was 5,000 when I left 40 wow. years ago. Yeah. And I thought I was from a small town, 30,000 in, in Illinois. But wow. What's it what's it like? You said McGee, Arkansas? In McGee, Arkansas. You you will bat when you're driving through Arkansas, you're batting an eye and then you're looking, you'll be like, oh, there was McGee. That's really how small it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Once you get over the bridge, you're out. Wow. How did you end up in Austin? Oh, this is something Amanda doesn't even know. <laughs> I love it. Spill the tea. <laughs> How did I end up? No, actually, I was following a cousin. My cousin moved here. It's so small that all of the families are so close. Our cousins moved to Austin, and we just felt like life was over because we lost them. So mm. once they left, we started coming to them it was the best thing that could have happened to my life yeah How long I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be at safe if i had not left <laughs> right yeah uh how long have you been in austin then 38 years wow 38 years yeah yep. it's safe for nine i've been here for nine years i love safe right on how, how about you amanda are you are you from austin where's your hometown no, so I also grew up in a small dinky town. Um, I am from Ricreal, Oregon, which you have never heard of. Nope. Um, it is probably a population less than a thousand for sure. Um, cows outnumber people. Um, so little farm town, but it's close, you know, about an hour from Portland and in the valley. So it's beautiful and green and pretty. So yeah, um, I moved to Austin in 2018 and my, um, my partner uh, graduated from college and the job opportunities were just better here. So, mm -hmm. and I can do my work anywhere. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's, that's cool. We're all from these little towns uh, that nobody's ever heard of. That's how I always talk about <laughs> Galesburg where I'm from, a little place in Illinois you've never heard of. Yeah. Do you, would you consider yourselves to be introverts or extroverts? I know I'm an extrovert. Yeah. I love it. 
I, I know I am. I love people. That's why I'm so happy we can be in the office part time now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. I, I feel like I kind of ride the line. I think I lean introvert, but I know like my extrovert friends, like they have felt like being on lockdown so much harder than me. And yeah, it's that's a tough spot to be in. I think for me, um, definitely ambivert, right? A little bit of both kind of in the middle. I tend to lean introvert. Like I need, people can sometimes drain me, but I also can turn on, you know, having conversation and feeling comfortable in new situations and stuff like that. Um, I think my friends would probably see me as extroverted, but if you know me really well, I'm pretty, pretty chill, pretty quiet. I think that's I thought you were introvert. I'm extrovert. Yeah. Well, that, that's what I was going to ask. Like, yeah, do, do you think other people see you the same way as you see yourself? Me? Yeah, yeah both of uh, you. I know. If, I, I'm pretty sure everybody see me as an extrovert. Because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it's like a mask for me that you put mm-hmm. on, right? When you go out and you're just kind of like, okay, like I'm flipping the switch. <laughs> I'm turning it on. When I was younger, I was very shy um, and very introverted, but I always, my mom always says that I tend to thrive like around people. So I think it's, it's both. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's because I've I've always kind of considered myself to be a little more introverted and I definitely, if I'm at in too social of a situation, I feel myself just like, like I can feel my batteries draining sometimes you know, and other times, like, like when, uh, when we used to go out and like my friends, we'd be in the, the lift driving, you know, going downtown or wherever. And I would be like starting up a conversation with the lift driver and be like, Oh, cool. How, yeah, how long have you been driving? And I'm sure they hate it, but, um, <laughs> but, but I feel like I'm just as likely to, you know, enter that same situation and be like, dead silent because you know it's it just it all it just depends on the day and the mood and there's so many variables how much i've had to drink you know (laughs) totally (laughs) yeah my kids Uh, tell me mama not everybody wants to talk to you (laughs) okay i'll remember that (laughs) yeah do you have a favorite restaurant i know for me um so i'm a vegan So that limits my options, Um, but we're lucky here in Austin to have a lot of different good options. So I was thinking about this. I think I like all food. I feel like uh, when I became a vegan, I became less picky about like foods I didn't like. And I'm just like, as long as it tastes good and I can eat it. Right. But my new favorite is probably brunch bird. It's off of seventh. It's just like vegan junk food, but it's not good for you, but Mm -hmm. it tastes so good. (laughs) What kind of, what's your go-to dish there? They make a mac and cheese that reminds me of the before times uh, (laughs) when I I could have dairy. (laughs) Nice. Brunch bird. Mm -hmm. I would think it's some chicken in there or some duck. Yeah, it sounds like it would have chicken. (laughs) No. Is is it like imitate, or I don't know, fake chicken? Uh, Right. So they special they do like breakfast all day, right? So you can get, you know, pancakes, French toast, fancy stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have vegan eggs that aren't tofu that taste pretty good. But then they do, you know, like burgers and sandwiches and 
and all all kinds of stuff. But yeah, they do use um, meat substitutes and stuff uh-huh. like that. Yeah, I've, I've never been there. I uh, for a short time was uh, vegetarian and definitely had some vegan options. I I think um, most of like the quesos and stuff I had were not good, but I have had a really good vegan queso. D- uh, does Kirby Lane do a vegan queso? They do. Yeah, yeah. and it's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it as much as the non-vegan one. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay, I love queso. I'm such a cheese person. And I went to Mr. Natural and I had their nachos. They weren't good to me. So <laughs> if I could find a good... Look, all I need to become vegan is to find a good vegan queso. And maybe <laughs> because I can eat queso all day every day mm-hmm. every day so okay give that Kirby Lane. queso a try the vegan one okay I am I'm gonna I have to go and pick up a prescription when I get out of work so I'm gonna stop by Kirby Lane and get one to go yeah <laughs> you you deserve it <laughs> I'll uh, let y'all know how it goes please do do you have a favorite restaurant Carrie not really not really um a while back, it used, the Houston Steakhouse was here in Austin. They don't, they haven't had it in a while, but that was always my favorite restaurant. Mm. And um, some of it had to be because they made their margaritas and their pina coladas with ice cream. Ooh, yeah. It was, oh Dangerous. my goodness, it was so good. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the salads were the best and um, they made homemade croutons. Their steaks were mm. good. I love that place. But now I just settle for the Longhorn Steakhouse. It's still good. Yeah. Not good as um, Houston's. Houston's, they have a Houston's in Houston. And um, mm-hmm. it's good. Yeah, I should yeah. try it. Well, I won't try it. But yeah. I think you're worth it. For it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Favorites are so hard to pick, especially in like Austin or, you know, in Houston or, you know, any place that has a bunch of food options. Like how can you narrow it down to an actual favorite? But I have been very into um, Bird Bird Biscuit lately, which if you've never had, I believe it's the same owners who own uh, Thunderbird Coffee. Oh yeah. I love that place. Yeah. Like very good. And yeah. And they, they definitely have like vegetarian options i don't know if they have any vegan options but it's yeah great food so to kind of pivot a little bit back into work talk how did you get into this line of work at safe on the futures program oh okay (laughs) okay long story first of all i was a foster parent for 19 years worked at the shelter over on mainer and um, had to go out for medical reasons. And when COVID hit, my manager was uncomfortable with me being in the building. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you I had the best manager ever, you know, the, I'll never forget that conversation, walking into her office and she said, how do you feel, Miss Carrie? And I said, oh, I'm fine. <laughs> and she said, do you feel safe being here? I said, I do. And then I could tell by the way she was looking at me that she wasn't safe. I said, how do you feel, Monica? And she said, I don't feel like you're safe. Um, And I said, let me remind you, I had just came back to work two weeks before COVID hit. And I said to her, I cannot afford to go home again because I had just came back after being out of work for a whole year. And she said, don't worry about it. We'll take care of you. Oh. That was my job. 
when I tell you I love safe, that's putting it so mildly. I've been home since. Anyway, they told, so I got home and they reassigned me to, well, first, um, Amanda, they were reassigning me to Safeline. Mm. And then, yeah, but then she um, told me that Safe Futures needed a client support specialist. And she said, that would be great for Miss Carrie because she'll get to do things on the opposite end. Instead of working with the children, she'll be able to work with the parents. Mm -hmm. And I said, whatever y'all need me to do, I'll do it. Coming into this place, not knowing what I was getting myself into. And then I met these two wonderful people in Safe Futures. Nissa and Amanda Brundage. <laughs> and that's how I ended up in Safe Futures. They were two of the best people. When I lost Monica, when I had to leave over there from the shelter, I never thought I would get another manager like Monica. And when I tell you, Amanda is one of the, they're, they're here, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm blessed. I'm really blessed. I found myself at SAFE because I found the right people Mm -hmm. and I found the right department. And that's how I ended up in SAFE Futures. I was blessed. Yeah, SAFE has a a reputation for making great hires and at all levels. I mean, management and, you know, every, every level, there's so much talent and compassion um are you talking about uh, monica martinez mm-hmm. yeah and yeah she <laughs> i know she's great love her uh and she just recently i don't know if you knew this uh started on the fundraising team so yeah so she's uh you know con- continuing to do awesome work uh, yeah. in a different capacity which is also a nice thing, just like all the 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 kind of flexibility that there is mm-hmm. here for moving. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And when I tell you, I have forgotten that I can do something other than take care of children. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. I forgot I knew how to type. I forgot I had a life before I started taking care of children. Yeah. And Safe Futures just helps me to realize that there's more to me than. You know, I know it brings things out of me that I forgot were there and that I didn't even know I have. And Amanda pushes me to do things. And this isn't a bragging about Amanda thing. But you know what? Maybe I need to go into the newspaper and talk about Amanda when we do our hiring. (laughs) Because when I tell you, she pushed me, she pushed me to do things that I didn't even know I was capable of doing. Carrie, you're gonna make me cry. I'm old, lady. I'm almost 60 years old. We are we're afraid to step out of our bucket and do stuff, you know. But Amanda's like, no girl, you can do it. And she just send me out there, like, do it. You can do it. I'll help you. And I do it and don't cry. Oh. <laughs> but you're the best. I promise y'all, I did not like <laughs> give her a bribe to talk nice about it today. <laughs> The best. She really is. She's the best. And she's such a good manager. And she's the she's the same to all of us. And you're good, Amanda. You really are. Wow. I don't even know if you're oh. well, <laughs> Amanda, I, I hear you're the best. How did you come into this position? Yeah. Okay. So my my journey to safe, let me tell you, I'm so happy to be here. I actually, so I started off um, working for child welfare um, in Oregon, I guess about close to 10 years ago now. 
And so I was a caseworker. And so I was what we like to say jokingly on the dark side. Um, <laughs> but um, even before that, um, I grew up and my mom was a caseworker. And so I joke that like working in child welfare was like the family business. Um, <laughs> and when I moved to Texas, I did work here at the state for a year and it just, it was different. And I felt like I was not helping families in the way that I wanted to be. So I left and um, came to SAFE. You know, I'm on the other side of the coin, The light, <laughs> came to the light side. And I still feel like, you know, this work is so important to me, like keeping families together is so important. Um, supporting survivors is so important. Um, I'm a survivor myself. And so it's like very important to me too, um, to have a personal connection to the work. But yeah, I'm just, I, this program is going to do big things. I just know it. Mm-hmm. We're gonna, <laughs> I believe in, I believe in the work that we do. So, so what's, what's something that if anything comes to mind that uh, you think is surprising when people hear it? So I think um, we talk a lot about like six, like what success looks like in our program. And of course, you know, there is ultimate success, right? Keeping your children in your care safe or regaining custody and being reunited as a family unit. I mean, that's obviously super important, but I think we look at success in other ways too, like being able to support someone through their darkest time, the hardest thing that they're going through, being able to give them tools in case they have children in the future, or if they're reunited with their kids in the future, even if they don't get them back. We talk a lot about, we don't like the word empowerment, In our program, we talk about sharing power um, because we believe that survivors already have their own power. Sometimes it's just about tapping in, right? Or thinking about things in a different way. And I think, you know, sometimes the data (laughs) or doesn't always reflect that, right? Um, They, people want families, you know, reunited. And I just, I think we need to kind of expand what success looks like just for people on an individual level. Yeah, no, that, that's such a good point, a series of good points. I mean, just that idea of like redefining what success is, reuniting families or, or, you know, whatever the case may be, that's not always the right option, right? Right. And everybody's, because, um, you know, like SAFE does all sort like supports survivors in all kinds of different ways. And I know like there tends to be this kind of gut reaction when say somebody's in a violent relationship and it's just get out of that relationship. That might not be the best option. That might not be the safest option. There's, there are so many factors. So yeah, thinking about success differently is a, is a good way to put it. Um, did you have anything you wanted to add, Carrie? I just wanted to say um, what you just said, um, how someone would, may look at the person and think, why are you still here? Why don't you get out? I was looking, I used to look at it the same way until I came to this department and Amanda said to me, what if getting out isn't the, the right thing right now? And I started looking at things different. I started looking at the reasons they may still have to be in the relationship. And I do look at things so differently since being in Safe Futures. Yeah, the same, yeah. I, uh... I've, I've, I've learned so much uh, about just th- not just the dynamics of violence and abuse, but about systems of control and systems of oppression. And there's so much that I didn't understand about human interaction that I do because of this work and trauma. Trauma is 
it's it's woven into everything and there's so much to unlearn and relearn about it all that yeah it's this is eye-opening work yeah for sure um, um go ahead Sorry. oh I, I was just gonna go on to if yeah. uh, are there any uh any stories that stand out to you that you would be okay with sharing well so one thing um so right we're we're transitioning to some things back in the office and the story is kind of related to that the pandemic has affected us all in really big ways but i think one thing that we've really lost is the ability to connect you know in a really unique way or those little opportunities where someone is at safe in person and they feel comfortable to reach out the story that i was thinking about you know before the pandemic um, one of the things that our program does is we teach education classes for uh, parents around domestic violence and protective parenting and they are often court ordered by the family courts for for parents to come but there was one class that we taught and um, someone just kind of hung out after we went over checked in said hey what's going on how are you how are you doing and she shared a pretty graphic story about how she had been essentially abducted the day before and was able to leave to come to the class and then because of that we were able to get her in shelter immediately and get her safe and do all those things and her story it was her moment. She was ready. She ended up, you know, working with us through the rest of her case. She got her kids back. She moved. She got a great job, like is doing really well now. She checks in from time to time. And I, that story was so powerful in the moment as she was sitting there telling me um, the fact that like just coming to our class was like, you know, a catalyst for her. And it's something that we have missed. And I sometimes I won't say like stay up at night, but I do think about like those opportunities that we've missed to help. You just don't have that same thing on Zoom. I can't like hang out, you know, while I'm cleaning up and, you know, catch somebody who's just kind of lingering, um, who wants to talk and is ready, ready to connect. But this month we're back <laughs> and um, Carrie is helping teach the classes with me and um, already just we haven't had any, you know, opportunities quite like that yet, but or situations quite like that. But just the engagement and people being comfortable to ask for support in the moment has been has already happened, and that's so great for me. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. awesome. It's different. It's so different. And John, being in person and being over Zoom is so different because we're able to see their emotions and see how they need us and we're able to see how much of a difference we're making right there at the moment because you're able to see that they're getting it you know you see the full body language and the emotions it's, it's so different i love it i just love it yeah it's awesome that we can connect in ways we never could before through like zoom and stuff right. but there's no doubt that you are missing other aspects of connection because of it. And, um, and I think some of those, those ways that we're missing are sort of like, you, you can't totally fathom them yet. There's going to, there's going to be things that we continue to realize as we go that don't know you were missing and until you start meeting back in person again. And, and then, right. you, so we all have heavy jobs 
from time to time, um, being in interacting with people with trauma, processing our own trauma. And um, I want to ask, what do y'all do to take care of yourselves throughout all that? What do we do? Um, every once in a while, we try to meet up in a safe place and <laughs> and talk our coworkers um, with our other teammates. And it really makes a difference. It really makes a difference. But make sure I take my PTO. I'm a firm believer. I'm a firm believer in PTO. And I, I haven't, I can't mandate it, you know, legally to be a requirement, but I strongly encourage that they take at least one day every month. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. So I kind of harass a little yeah. bit. I'm like, hey, <laughs> when are you taking your time? <laughs> yep. That, I mean, you know, every kind of like every job, it, if there's like this kind of guilt for taking time off, but, and especially in the nonprofit world, but that, that that's great because my boss is the same way. Uh, Piper, who has been on the show before, uh, uh, is really good at encouraging us to take time off. You know, like if she knows we haven't had a vacation in a little while, it's like, you know, she just very gently asks us, like, when, when are you planning on taking a little bit of time off? And like, yeah. she's so good about it. And we doing this kind of work, it's, it's almost like ironic that in nonprofits where we are doing so much and wearing so many hats and, you know, constantly busy, we need time off. We need it to recharge. And yet so often in nonprofits, um, there's this like stigma against it. So I'm glad, I'm glad that you encourage it. And, and that a lot of physicians encourage it here. It's, yeah. We need it. I think we are, we're here to help, but we can't help if you're running on empty. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes like that's where boundaries are so important. I say the work will always be there. It will be there tomorrow at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. when you clock in, unless it's something that can't wait, you know, be done when you're done. Come back. <laughs> take take your time. I, I think self-care for me, because I've been doing, you know, helping work for so long is really, sometimes it's about meeting my basic needs, like making sure I eat when I'm hungry <laughs> um, and eat food that fuels me and makes me feel good. Carrie knows. Um, so I, in my spare time, um, I'm a power lifter. Yes. <laughs> Fun fact. Um, so you can catch me in the gym most of the time. Um, I think movement for me is so important and so healing. I love being outside on my paddleboard. I love just like hanging out and getting like making time to get coffee or drink with friends, making sure that I call, you know, my family's not here, right? They're out of town. So making sure that I call my family, just being again, like turning off that brain to be like my work, my work will be there. Like it's important for me to take care of me and therapy. I'm a firm believer in therapy. <laughs> Everybody should have a therapist. Yeah, totally. <laughs> if if you can afford it is the yes yeah right I yeah. mean that's a whole nother topic <laughs> yeah, seriously um yeah that's exercise that that's one that's one for me too that kind of continuous self-care like make time to get exercise and I know I if I don't work out 
regularly. I feel it and I don't sleep as well. And I, it, it affects other aspects of my life. And yeah, I don't, were, were there, are there any specific things? Like, I know you mentioned uh, PTO, Carrie, but like, um, what, what do you like to do when you're on PTO? If you're comfortable saying. I have, oh, I'm fine. I, I love to talk about it. I have six sisters, well, I have five sisters, one passed last year. Oh, and um, a couple of times a year, my sisters and I vacation. We just came from Punta Cana in March. And oh, really? Yes. We'll be in Cancun in November. Mm-hmm. So... When I tell I you it. these ladies travel, I mean, the pictures, <laughs> they, it is fabulous. The outfits are fabulous. The bonding is fabulous. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. And we're all old. We're all over 50. <laughs> Some is old to 70. And yeah, we, we love it because we knew that we needed something to keep us together if ever our mother is not here. Yeah. So, but we started the seven sister va- uh, annual vacation. Oh, dang, that's yeah. cool. I love it. Carrie's got all and I have a lot of children too. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I have lots of children too. Um, I have my children, I have my grandchildren, and I have my foster children that are mm-hmm. still um, involved in our lives. And yeah, I have a, I have a full life. Yeah, you've got a whole I'm a network. Recent, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a whole network. So I'm a widow of five years and um, yeah, we were foster parents for 19 years. Wow. We had a great life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now the kids and the grandkids, they keep me going. Yeah. yeah. Carrie, aren't you start? What's that aqua class? What is that? <laughs> you know what, Amanda? I'm listening to you and Antoine talk and I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to join the YMCA. I'm going to do it. After my supervision, I'm gonna. <laughs> I have the best manager. She's already told me that I can come in late on Wednesday morning so that I can go to my old lady aqua fitness class. So that's oh, cool! Look at the pool. <laughs> nice. I'm gonna do it two days a week. That'll get me started. So good yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask: Is there a way that people can connect with Safe Futures, or is it all? Is it like referral or? court order kind of deal? Yeah, it's a little both. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think the first thing to know is that um, since our program is small, people who are interested in working with us have to have a currently open CPS case. Um, But if you're interested, you can call the safe line at any time and they can send a referral over. CPS caseworkers and attorneys can also send referrals and um, they have access to those forms. Oh, yeah. And for anyone who doesn't know, I have the safe line memorized. Uh, 512-267-SAFE. And you, and you can also find all that information on the website at safeaustin.org. There's even an online chat there, a text chat number and everything. Well, is there any, anything y'all wanted to add that I might have glossed over? I don't think so. This was lovely. Thank you, Antoine. Yeah, it was. I enjoyed it. Thanks for being on. It's great getting to meet y'all. I've, I feel like I've, I've emailed you a little bit, Amanda, but I've never even, I don't think we've even been on a meeting together, have we? Probably not. So, yeah. <laughs> well, um, 
Thank you so much, Carrie and Amanda, for being on. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I've been your host, Antoine R. Martin. And take care out there. Bye. Bye. Bye.